0: Morning. Welcome back to another episode of Down the Line. It's episode number 66 here on Friday, September 16th. I'm Brevin Honda, alongside Kyle Betts. How are you doing, Kyle?
1: I'm doing great, Brevin. Uh, it's another week with a lot going on. I moved back to California from Phoenix, so um, it's been a little bit hectic in that regard, I guess, but it's definitely good to be back here, and
0: yeah, let's get right into it. Mm-hmm. We got the fastest. We're going to kick it off with some soccer. Um, We're going to kick it off with the Premier League. Some of their matches have been postponed over the last weekend and into earlier this week due to the passing of Queen Elizabeth II, who passed away uh, about last week.
1: Yeah, definitely one of the bigger storylines in all of of the world this week, to be honest, Um, with the Queen's passing. And yeah, you see how that impacted... Um, not only um, the Premier League, but I think also Champions League, uh, maybe even some Europa League as well, some teams in that. But yeah, that that definitely uh, kind of changed some things up. I know Manny Knight had not only one, but two games uh, postponed. They were supposed to play Leeds. I don't even know when they were supposed to play them. I think it was probably Monday. I, I could be wrong about that. Maybe even this weekend, but um, I think that was also postponed uh, because it's the same time as her funeral. So, um, yeah, there, there's a lot going on with that um, in Great Britain right now. But also um, we have seen some games kind of return to action right now. Actually, Aston Villa, uh, Southampton, Nottingham Forest, and Fulham are playing right now. So the Premier League is back. Um, but, yeah, that, that definitely kind of shook some things up throughout the week.
0: Right. We go to Monday Night Football this past week where Russell Wilson made his return to Seattle and probably in, not in the best fashion, as you would say, both uh, from in the stands and on the field. The uh, The Broncos lost 17-16 to in Russell Wilson's debut and returned to Lumen Field against the Seahawks and uh, I think it was on the first play, uh, when Russell Wilson came on the field, but those Seahawks fans uh were booing uh Russell Wilson.
1: Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny that <laughs> booing their best ever player, um, his return after ten years, leading them to two Super Bowls and one win obviously. Mm. Um but yeah, you can see, you know, a little bit of hostility from the Seattle fans and of course that place is gonna get loud. We we're really sure. What reception he was gonna have, but yeah, I I think it was pretty much in unison the crowd going him, and Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I don't know about that. I don't know if I would have done the same if I was (laughs) the Austin. So um, (laughs) that was definitely something interesting. You know that whole storyline and his return throughout the game, and we're gonna talk about that game a little bit uh, coming up later. But um, yeah, it it was definitely interesting to see that.
0: Mm And then last night we had Thursday Night Football between the Kansas City Chiefs and the LA Chargers. It was uh, was the first uh, ever NFL game streamed uh, solely on Amazon Prime. There was no TV uh, streaming platform combo. It was just on Amazon Prime. Kyle, how much of last night's Chargers and uh, Chiefs game do you did watch?
1: Yeah, I had to do some things yesterday, taking some people to the airport and, and such, but um started watching around I think it was halfway through the third quarter and mm-hmm. so uh until the end of the game. I thought the broadcast was great. Um I thought it was interesting the um kind of panels they had after the game as well. Um Tony Gonzalez, Richard Sherman, Chris Thompson and then I'm missing someone else as well. Um but yeah, I, I thought that was cool to see all those different players together, and I think also Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit, that, that's a really good combo right there. Um, something that we haven't seen before, Kirk Herbstreit do too much NFL, but now he's going to be doing it on a more regular basis, so that's definitely exciting to see. Um, I, I did like the broadcast, it, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what the viewership numbers were, um, mm-hmm. especially considering you know how many people still have cable. Um, but yeah, Amazon Prime, uh, they're gonna continue doing that for a long time. And, um, I, I think I saw Jeff Bezos singer Sir Roger Goodell in the game, too. <laughs> so, um, they were really just bringing that out in full force, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. Next week on Amazon Prime, the Steelers uh, take on the Browns in an AFC North uh, battle on Amazon Prime. Um, We move on to some basketball now. The Golden State Warriors internally discussed a trade for Kevin Durant. This was last month. Um, This was first reported by the Rolling Stone magazine last month, and it was just discussed more on NBA Today on ESPN on Monday. And uh, Steph Curry had made his reaction to the Rolling Stone, and he said he was never hesitant about possibly acquiring Kevin Durant. Obviously, both the, those two played together in a Warriors uniform for three seasons that included uh, two championship rings. Curry told the Rolling Stone last month, there was a conversation internally amongst us about if he was available, would you? Every team has those conversations, and obviously, in our situation, they're going to call me and ask, how do you feel about it? And if you said, oh, KD's coming back and we're going to play with him, I had so much fun playing with him those three years. I'd be like, hell, yeah. yeah. Um, definitely don't doubt that either.
1: Um, Seeing KD going back to the Bay Area would definitely be something. But, yeah, I mean, that would just shake up the entire atmosphere of the NBA. I mean, that would just be insane to see Kevin Durant go back there. But, obviously, opting to stay with the Nets. Um, I guess Warriors fans can dream on um, for that potential return but yeah it, that definitely would have been something to see two of the best players in the world back on the same team and I think if that happened who knows how long they would have played together mm-hmm. Um, but they absolutely would have run the NBA if, if that was made possible again Um, mm-hmm. so it's definitely interesting to think what could have happened
0: yeah and I know when we get one of our uh, former D.A. college who's a Warriors fan. We'll have to ask him their thoughts on if the Warriors could uh, reacquire Kevin Durant. Absolutely. All right, we're going to move on from basketball. We're going to talk a little bit more later in our show. We're going to move on to tennis because men's tennis legend Roger Federer announced his retirement via social media yesterday. Uh, on Thursday, Federer, uh, who won 20 grand slams, uh, will retire following the Labor Cup in London next week.
1: Yeah, Roger Federer is a absolute legend. Uh, he's hanging up at 41 years old. And yeah, it's definitely been a pleasure to watch him throughout his career. I know that we were uh, really experiencing that as we grew up, seeing this guy and Rafa Nadal just kind of run the table in the tennis world and uh, 20 grand slams and singles and um he finished that the year end number one five times as well, and he's um one of the best to ever do it so not only do we see him retire uh this year but also Serena Williams, so it's definitely gonna be um odd to not see those two on courts anymore mm-hmm.
0: think about um you know Nadal and um, you know those two that are above him, and you think about how much goes into playing at that high of a competition um, when it's just pretty much you on that court. Um, You know, it's not like, you know, in golf you have a caddy and um, in other sports you got coaches. Yeah. Players like Federer had to do it by himself for at most seven, eight hours sometimes in a five-game set and shows you the type of durability that you have to have when it comes to playing that level of tennis all right we're going to move away from the fast five now we're going to get into some mlb news came out uh last week on friday um some rule changes for the 2023 season voted on by the league's competition committee so it includes a pitch timer bigger bases and shift restrictions and kyle as a whole when you saw these when you as a whole when you saw these changes what was your reaction
1: yeah, there's a lot of changes here to follow. Um, pitch timer, bigger bases, uh, the shift is now going to be restricted as well. So um, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how this all plays out We see the pitch timer now being implemented. I think that's one of the bigger changes here. Obviously, um, it's something that they've been talking about for years and how to speed up the game and um, how it's going to just, improve pace of play and so i think that's going to benefit the game i don't think that pitchers will necessarily not benefit from that i don't really see that happening but um i think it's definitely something to keep in the back of their minds though as well from now on and you see 15 seconds uh when the bases are empty that's what the pitchers have and 20 seconds when they're running on base um hitters are going to get one timeout out for plate appearance and um, the rules are already in place in the minor leagues, but the average time of a uh, nine inning game was reduced by twenty six minutes um this season from last season, so um, we'll probably see that or something similar in, in terms of duration uh reduced there too so um I think that's definitely one of the bigger changes here the bigger bases um, I think that's more of a player safety thing um at first, I was kind of confused why they did that, but um, I, I guess it makes sense um, in terms of you know what players can do, and how they take advantage of that, um, especially base runners. Um, and then also, I, I think the shift uh, along with the pitch timer, those two being the most notable here, um, that's definitely going to change the sphere of how batters and, and hitters approach the game. Um, and I think also um, we're also going to see lefties get paid a lot more too now that um shift is no longer a factor we see how that's been affected obviously there are guys like Shohei Otani you can hit it anywhere on the field but um now this is definitely gonna be odd to see um because Revan as long as we've grown up watching baseball it's always been you know guys you know shifting when they can and you know looking at um the scouting reports and now that's gonna be completely wiped away I think that's
0: going to be a little odd Mm -hmm. yeah i saw a tweet from jeremy frank who's a baseball statistician currently at purdue data science he said uh put out a tweet most outs made on ground balls line drives hitting the shifts with three men on one side of the field this year as of september 9th Corey seager has 90 outs Kyle Tucker, 66, Max, Max Kepler and Caper Ruiz are 64, and then at 61, it's Reese Hoskins, Charlie Blackman, and Marcus Simeon all at 61. So I'm popping to see Corey Seager 90 outs made on ground balls because Sanjay is hitting to the shift this year.
1: Yeah, it's a big change that's going to happen. I think um, we're going to see a lot more hits. Come from these guys in the future as well. And I think, um, you know, one of the guys who, not even now, but eventually, who obviously he decided to deal with the Phillies, but, you know, guys like Kyle Schwarber could end yeah. up getting really big deals from now on, um, just based off their power. Not only that, but just playing to their advantage now with the shift being banned. So, how do you think this kind of changes the approach of hitters now, Revan?
0: Yeah, I think you're going to see, you know, now with the shift, you know, I was thinking that players were going to be going the other way, but now you're going to see more the way it was before, you know, the shift really started to come to what it is, you know, about 10, 15, uh, 10 years ago. And I think you're going to see more line drives. you know, players getting singles through the 5.5 hole and 3.5 hole on uh, first and second, you're gonna see those more of those hits up the middle. And on the flip side it's gonna get, it's gonna uh allow infielders to showcase and show their athleticism off. And um and I think it's just getting the game to back to where it was before um shifting was. I think that <laughs> I don't think anybody thought 10 years ago when the the Tampa Bay race first started shifting, that they would need to implement a rule to limit shifting.
1: Yeah, this is definitely something that we didn't really see coming in in recent years. Obviously, there's been talk about it, and now it's actually happening. So um, that's definitely going to be a new look in baseball just in general. Two, infle- two infielders on either side of second base. Um, they also must all be on the dirt as well mm-hmm. um, when the pitch is on the rubber. So um, you're not going to see guys, you know, in shallow outfield anymore. Um, so that's going to be a little bit new to see as well. But, um, yeah, this is definitely a big change for baseball. I think all these things um, and all these factors combined, um, not necessarily sure if shift restrictions will be be good for the game obviously it's going to benefit hitters but um i think the pitch timer will and in terms of you know just having more fan engagement with the games as well i mean obviously you're gonna have three plus hour games night in and night out but just reducing that even a little bit i think is going to help it Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i don't think we'll be seeing any four hour game four hour games that just go nine innings um certain times all right, mm-hmm. those are the rule changes. We're going to move on to the Padres. Entering play today, the Padres, they're in third place in the NL wildcard. They, the, they hold that final Wild Card spot over the Milwaukee Brewers by a game and a half. It's technically two and a half um, as of right now with the tiebreaker set in place. But the Padres do have a two and a half game deficit behind the Phillies for that second uh, Wild Card spot right now in the standings.
1: Yeah, we've seen the Padres this past week uh, go through some some wins, some losses. And um, I think, you know, that series, even that two-game series against the Mariners and even before that against the Dodgers when the, when the Padres got swept, I think um, that was a little bit of a wake-up call because now you see the Padres just really competing against these solid postseason teams to this point. Um, obviously, last night, shut up by the D back. Um, it's not what you want to see. But again, um, four game series, they can still, you know, take it back from them. Um, and they are uh, back at it tonight at 640 as well. But um, when you think about the position that this team is in, you know, you mentioned just being um, a game or a game and a half up above the Brewers right now. What do you think needs to change for this team?
0: Yeah, I think it's just the mentality this team has. Uh, we saw last night in that 4 nothing loss when you only get three hits and you're in a postseason push. You know, it's just something with the mentality that's not there. And this team, you know, it feels like when you lose 4 nothing games against a team that is having a pitcher make its major league debut, you know, it, and you can't get you can hardly get a hit off of him you only get three hits throughout nine innings it kind of tells you that there's the players are just going through the motions and there's no kind of sense of urgency or there's no heightened adrenaline and you saw that last night uh when project manager bob melvin was talking to the media you heard that frustration from him and one thing about Bob Melvin and the difference last year, we know, we know about that experience that we've talked about with Bob Melvin and he's going to switch things up to um, hopefully benefit the team moving forward. And hopefully that happens uh, rather quickly.
1: Yeah, I I think you're totally right. Um, Just getting the bats going, I think is what's most important for the team right now as well. And, Nothing, No lead is safe right now, even against the Brewers. They obviously have, you know, the guys to make a push, even to get into that wild card, that third wild card spot. So I think just waking those bats up a little bit and I think taking advantage of their opponents um, is what's going to be important, you know, especially this weekend against the D-backs. But yet again, um, D-backs are no slouch. I mean, they're only... I think seven games uh, right now back at 500 and you see that significant improvement from last year that that team has. So I think, you know, even splitting this uh, series at this point this weekend is what's going to be important for this Padres team. Um, you see how they've been faring in, in these past few games. I think they're um, four and six in their last 10 games as well. So I think um, just getting those bats going is what's going to be important. Mm-hmm. I think, getting some momentum before the postseason as well. As long as they stay in that third wildcard spot or even jump a spot, I I think just getting some momentum heading into October is going to be really important for any baseball team right
0: now. Yeah, it was good to see Brandon Jerry return from the I.L. yesterday from um, taking a hit um, to the head um, in L.A. off a curveball. I think it was Dustin May. Um, But good to see him return. Got a couple of hits. Um, So hopefully... His bat, um, sparks that entire lineup, and we move on to the Angels. And speaking about Sparks, uh, Mike Trout homered in seven straight games, which set an Angels franchise record. Kyle, what was your action when you see Mike Trout just continuing to hit home run after home run?
1: Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, you saw him get four games in a row, and he. Hide the franchise record and then he surpassed that, and then all of a sudden it became now he has a chance at actually, you know, tying the MOB record or even breaking it. And so, um, he's just matching the baseball right now. Seeing his return, um, is incredible. I know that last week, Revan, when um, we were talking with um, Andrew Finley, we both gave our picks for who's going to have the most home runs for the Angels at the end of the season. I think Shohei was funny, and man, am I going to be wrong about that? (laughs) So (laughs) Finley Finley absolutely, you know, schooled me on that one, and that all just happened in the span of a week. So Uh um, it was incredible to see that run. Obviously, it came to end. Um, I think his last AB um, that he had in order to keep the streak alive um, against the Guardians, he even admitted, you know, he was thinking about. You know the streak at that time. You know during his last at bat, where he ultimately skied out, but um, to center field. But I, I think it's been an incredible run for him, and seeing his return from injury, um, it's been great. And I think it's what this team needs, um, despite you know uh, everything that's gone wrong this season.
0: Mm-hmm. For the Angels, it's just about that momentum heading into the off season. Currently, Mike Trout has 35 home runs. Shohei Ohtani has 34 home runs and Speaking of Shohei Otani, this is from a pitching aspect, he got pulled early from his last start on Saturday due to a blister, and that included throwing the the fastest pitch of his MLB career at 101.4 miles an hour despite dealing with that blister.
1: Yeah, I think um, we've seen that before, too, him dealing with a blister, you know, start getting cut short, but... Ultimately, doesn't seem like much of a problem. I think he is scheduled to pitch tomorrow, so that's going to be great to see him back on the, on the mound at the Big A. Um, always a good time to see him out there. I think he's scheduled to also make four more starts this year, so um, he's got plenty left, and obviously it seems right now Aaron Judge is pretty much running away with the MVP um, from the, in the American League, but I think uh, um, he's still you know, making such a strong case with Shohei Otani, and um, I, I think just seeing him throughout the season and him get even better this, this year. I mean, compared to last season, his numbers are even better. I mean, on the mound. And so um, you hate to see the lack of production from the lineup, not get him some more wins out on the mound, but either way, um, it's been incredible to see him play. Um, Obviously so fantastic. You've seen him really just increase the speed on his splitter. He's using it a lot more. Um, and I, I think that's his go-to pitch right now, and, and it's been just a pleasure to watch throughout the season and see how he gets better. And I think this guy's still the him, man. It's just every day it seems like he does something new. Him and Mike Trout, seeing those guys play next to each other is incredible, and um, the numbers are there. Like you mentioned, 35 home runs for Trout, 34 for Otani right now, and um, just hope that they can build on that lineup and we can just see a better Angels team next year because if those two are at their best, Um, that's going to be a hard team to stop if they have some guys who can at least produce. Mm
0: -hmm. One of those players who is expected to return and be fully healthy for the 2023 season is Anthony Rendon, who is trying to make a push to not just be ready for 2023, but for the final few games of this year. Kyle, what's the update on Anthony Rendon?
1: Yeah, he's uh, taking BP again. I, I think he was also doing some field work on Monday. First time since uh, wrist surgery. Um, obviously, when he does come back, he's going to have to serve that five game suspension, as I mentioned before, I think last week, um, as it was also the brawl against the Mariners earlier this year. But um, OC Registers, uh, Jeff Fletcher said that um, he is hoping to play the last week of the season or so. Um, so that's. Honestly, very surprising. It's pretty similar to last season in which, you know, Anthony Rendon got hurt. We didn't hear anything about him, and he just sat the rest of the season. That's kind of what I expected this time around too. But seems like he is going to make a return. I think that's, you know, just it's going to be good to see him out there. And as long as he can get some some more work under him and get some more playing time, you know, alongside Trout and Otani under his belt. Um, I think that's just going to improve overall team morale. Um, It's not going to matter that much, obviously, with the Angels being out of any sort of playoff race. But um, I I think it will be great to see him back out there. And if he can serve that suspension uh, before next season, I think that's going to be ideal.
0: Mm -hmm. Looking at the standings, the Angels have played 143 games. They are 61-82. and So one more loss means they have a losing season. Um, another losing season in the Big A, but I think about 61 and 82, that's 143 games, Kyle. Um, that means they got 19 games left. Kyle, what's the expectation um, to finish out the year uh, for this Angels team?
1: Yeah, I think uh, it's the seventh straight losing season for the Angels, which is the most of any team in baseball, I think, right now to this point. Um, A little bit surprising, but, um, yeah, it it has not been a good year for the Angels. They still have, I believe, two series against the Rangers left, two against the A's. They also have um, this upcoming four-game series at home against the Mariners. So that's going to be a pretty important stretch in terms of finishing on a high note. And honestly, I, I think that's really all that matters right now. If they can finish above Texas in the standings, I'll take that. You know? Um mm-hmm. the Rangers are currently just one game above the Angels right now. They're at sixty two and eighty one for that third spot in the ALS to this point. Um but I I do think finishing on a high note is important for this game, Um, you know, especially heading into next season. They got a lot of work to do in the off season as well in terms of the talent that they need Um, but I do think that's really their ultimate goal right now if they can finish you know 12-13 games below 500 right now at this point in the state of the franchise I think that's a win Um, so just taking advantage of these weaker opponents that they're playing in Texas, in Oakland over the stretch of the next three weeks or so is probably what's going to be most important. I think, you know, just in some team, just some momentum, some team morale. Um, and also I think obviously too, seeing Trout and Otani, you know, just continue to match the baseball, Otani back on the mound. Um, I want to see them improve their stats a little bit too before the end of the mm-hmm. game. All
0: right. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back after talking to some- Angels and Padres here in this first half, we're going to talk about NBA, the new surrounding suspension of Phoenix Suns and Phoenix Mercury owner Robert Sarver, as well as we're going to get some NFL, some big-name players getting hurt in Week 1. Will they play Week 2? We're going to cover some of those injuries, as well as getting to um, fantasy football as well. Um, how Kyle and I did against each other last week, how our guest Andrew Finley did last week as well. And we're going to get to some trivia based on Kyle's favorite football team, the Denver Broncos. That's all coming up next here on Down the Line. Hello everyone and welcome back to Down the Line. I brought Robert alongside Kyle Betts. It's currently, uh, currently recording this on September 16th. We were talking some MLB with the rule changes being implemented for next season. In 2023, we talked about the Padres and the Angels, the expectations for each of those teams to finish off the, the year, as well as our Fast Five that included Monday Night Football Game featuring the Denver Broncos and the Seattle Seahawks, as well as last night's Thursday Night Football Game that was streamed on Amazon Prime between the Los Angeles Chargers and the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. Now, in our second half, we're going to talk some NBA, we're going to talk some fantasy football, we're going to talk NFL Week 2, and we're going to get into some trivia, but let's go ahead and Kyle's going to take away to start off talking some basketball, kick off this second half to our episode. Let's start off with
1: some NBA news. Obviously, we already talked about um, the reports of Kevin Durant possibly going to the Golden State Warriors earlier this summer. That ultimately didn't happen. But um, the other piece of biggest news that happened in the association this week was Robert Sarver, who is in the Valley, Phoenix, Arizona. He's the owner of the Suns and the Mercury He was suspended one year as the owner of both of those teams. He must also pay a $1 million fine. And the association announced this after an ESPN story um, that came out last November kind of described allegations of racism, misogyny, um, just workplace misconduct altogether um, throughout his 17th tenure as owner of the Phoenix Suns. So he is suspended by. The NBA um, until further notice, at least for that one year. He also has to complete um, a course. Um, and this is some pretty interesting news, especially considering what we've seen in the past with problematic owners like Donald Sterling, um, where he was banned from the NBA, but Sarborough only suspended one year. And it seemed like Adam Silver kind of defended his decision. And that was obviously met by a lot of criticism. Um, by both fans and even players.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of those players you spoke at was Los Angeles Lakers for LeBron James. He tweeted yesterday, read through the Sarver stories a few times now. I got to be honest, our league definitely got this wrong. I don't need to explain why. Y'all read the stories and decide for yourself. I said it before, I'm going to say it again. There is no place in this league for that kind of behavior. I love this league, and I deeply respect our leadership, but this isn't right. There is no place for misogyny, sexism, and racism in any workplace. Don't matter if you own the team or play for the team. We hold our league up as an example of our values, and this ain't it. That's what LeBron James tweeted, and continue that tweet with a pry.
1: Yeah, there are many allegations against Robert Sarver. Honestly, too many to even get to right now. If you want to Check that out. I know ESPN has been following this for months now, as I mentioned before. This all uh, started to come to light last November, but yeah, I think LeBron pretty much detailed that pretty well. Uh, um, the misogyny, uh, the sexism, and the racism have been a part of that culture of the Phoenix Suns and even the Phoenix Mercury of the WNBA, as he runs both of those franchises. And yeah, I think LeBron is right here. Um, I also do feel like we are taking a little bit of a step back. Obviously, I do bring up the Donald Sterling situation. It is pretty much all similar, and when you see him get banned from the league, um, but Sarver only gets a one-year suspension, obviously a $10 million fine is something that he can afford, um, but it, it just seems like a little bit of a slap on the wrist compared to that Donald Sterling situation. Um, and I, I think LeBron is right when he as we are kind of going backwards here, um, especially you know since that whole Donald Sterling situation was I think almost 10 years ago at this point. And yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. I don't think anything's going to change, um, but he will see his return um, in 2024. Um, Starber will. So it's definitely been interesting to follow, especially... Being around people who have covered the Phoenix Suns, me living in Phoenix for the past year. Um, so, yeah, this is definitely a notable decision. And I don't know if this sets a precedent for the future, but yeah, I mean, this is not the first time we've seen an NBA owner, you know, be caught for his problematic actions.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're just coming up on the beginning of NBA reg- uh, training camp, which begins, I think, in the next couple of weeks. Um uh, for most teams. Um um Kyle, you think about the Lakers. Um uh, I know we touched on it last week with Russell Westbrook Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly, but Kyle, you think about um training camp what's the expectations for the Lakers um with Darwin Ham in his first year?
1: Yeah, I, I think expectations are not necessarily high. I I think the expectation is to get into the postseason and at least get past the first round. Um, Obviously, last season was a little bit tough, as you can tell, but I think they they did add some depth to this team. We're going to see the return of Kendrick Nunn. He did not play at all last season, so I think it's going to be good to see that guy come off the bench and be a solid six-man candidate. Um, I think adding... Damian Jones, Juan Soto, Anderson, um, even Lonnie Walker as pieces of depth. That's going to be really important in the future as well. Obviously, drafting Max Christie, he might see a little bit of playing time as well. But yeah, I think the biggest add of the off season was Patrick Beverly to this team, adding some defense to that team and, and a guy who can also hit some big shots as we've seen throughout his career. Um, I, I think Pat Bev is kind of the guy that. We anticipated Avery Bradley on being, but he was never really able to fulfill that role. So, Pat he, he has a lot to prove, and he seems to really love being a Laker so far. Um, but, yeah, I think it's going to be really important for the future. But it's, it's looking like that lineup's going to be Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, LeBron, obviously, Anthony Davis. And then one name I haven't even brought up yet is Thomas Bryant um, coming back to the Lakers. He was on the Wizards for some time. Um, So he's coming back home, and I think that's a guy with a lot of potential as well in terms of growth, and he's still so young. He's only 25 years old. Um, So, yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how this team kind of gels together. Um, But I I think the expectations are a little bit higher, especially considering how they finished last season. Mm
0: -hmm. NBA training camps start as early as next week, Saturday. For teams participating in preseason games outside North America, Um, all NBA training camps will be open on September 27th. The first preseason game will be September 30th when the NBA kicks off the preseason in Japan between the Golden State Warriors and the Washington Wizards in Tokyo. And then the following week, the NBA will take place in Abu Dhabi between the Atlanta Hawks and the Milwaukee Bucks before the Regular season kicks off on October 18th. All right, we move on to the NFL. There were some big-name players who got hurt in Week 1. And one of the big names is the Pittsburgh running back in his sophomore season, Najee Harris, who got a foot injury on top of uh, having a list injuries injury uh, that he suffered in training camp.
1: Yeah, it looked like his, his foot or ankle was really just torn apart in the bottom of a pile last week against the Bengals. But yeah, he's not the only injury and we'll get to that in a second that the Steelers are dealing with, but they ultimately were somehow able to pull off that win. Um it's definitely gonna be good to see him back on the field this week. We weren't we weren't sure if he was going to play, but he was officially ruled active today and he's going to play Sunday versus the Patriots. So the injury looked a lot worse than it was for Najee Harris, and I think fantasy owners are rejoicing.
0: Mm-hmm. Speaking of the Steelers, one of their players, um, starting a list of a few players, will be out uh, for some time, uh, kicking off with Pittsburgh outside linebacker T.J. Watt, who's out with a torn pec, um, and he was placed on injury reserve, the short-term version, so he's out at least four weeks with that torn pec.
1: Yeah, it seems like four or six weeks was the timetable for TJ Watt. And we weren't sure how severe the injury was going to be, but it seemed like this is the best case scenario. And I think it's good for the sport of football to see him come back at some point later this season. Um, so it's going to be great to have him back out there. He's the defensive player of the year for a reason. And we even saw that last week. So, yeah, it's definitely good news for TJ Watt.
0: Another player who's out is Dallas. Cowboys quarterback, Jeff Prescott, who injured his hand uh, in Sunday Night Football against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It turned out he had to have hand surgery, and he will be out six to eight weeks as a result. Cooper Rush is the QB1 now out in Dallas.
1: Yeah, this is the most down bad I think we've seen the Cowboys in recent years, to be honest with you. It's not been a good spell for them and, you know, even this offseason, they got rid of a lot of our guys, one of those guys being Amari Cooper, Randy Gregory is now in the Broncos, um, and so their wide receiver, too, is Noah Brown uh, behind C.D. Lamb right now, and so they just don't have a lot of weapons on that team at all. You take away Dak Prescott from that situation, and it's even worse, and Cooper um, Rush, he's got a lot of responsibility on his shoulders now. Um, we saw him last season, I believe. I think he started one game, um, so we're gonna see him back out there. It's his fifth year from uh, out of Central Michigan, 28 years old, so he's looking to prove himself out there. I think Will Greer is the backup to him right now. Um, I was a little surprised to not see them make a move, um, but I, I think considering the, the spot that they're at right now, where Um they just don't have a lot of weapons on that team and they're gonna trust in their backup to get the job done. Um I I think it's gonna be interesting to follow. I I honestly expected them to trade for someone like Jimmy G or a Tyler Huntley, Mm -hmm. even like a Nick Foles kind of guy, but um they're just gonna stick with their guy.
0: The Cowboys might have to bring back Ben Denushi if that's the case too. Yeah, seriously. All right, we go from the Cowboys to the Niners. San Francisco running back Elijah Mitchell sprained his MCL, and he is out for two months. Kyle, what's uh, your reaction seeing uh, Mitchell uh, spraining that MCL?
1: Yeah, and he is on my fantasy team in our league, Revin, And This is definitely a pretty big blow to that Niners offense, but at the same time, this always seems to happen to this backfield, to this 49ers backfield. One of their starters gets hurt and they just pretty much plug and play. And that's the Kyle Shanahan offense right there. So um, last week, six carries for 41 yards. He was off to a great start. But yeah, it's definitely unfortunate to see him go down. Um, he's going to be out for a while. But in comes Jeff Wilson Jr. So I picked him up in fantasy. So I have him as well. Um, and I think from now on, we're going to be seeing him. I think Davis Price is one of their backups as well. They have an, another running back that could see sometimes. So. Prepared for this, and um, back comes Jeff Wilson Jr., he seems to always find his way.
0: Yep, and this also includes running value from a wide receiver, or you can call him a wide back, in Debo Samuel, as well as the mobile usage of quarterback uh Trey Lance, as well, um, in that San Francisco offense. All right, we get we stay in the running back position where we go out to Detroit, where DeAndre Swift missed his second straight practice on Thursday due to an ankle injury, but uh, said he will most de- most definitely play Week 2 against the Commanders.
1: Yeah, he is questionable right now. He did actually return to practice today, like he mentioned. He missed uh, two practices earlier this week. But, yeah, it seems like he is all good to go. And I think in that first game as well, it, it was a really good showing from him. Almost mm-hmm. averaging... 10 yards of carry against the Eagles. He also caught three passes and scored a touchdown. And that's kind of what we expected to see out of DeAndre Swift after he was drafted out of the University of Georgia in 2020. So um, it's going to be good to see him out there. And he's got a lot of potential. And I think mm-hmm. the Lions are
0: looking like a much better team. Mm-hmm. Swift had the opportunity for a lot more fantasy points last week. Had his backup, Jamal Williams not taken those two touchdowns into yeah. the end zone, right now, DeAndre Swift was limited today in practice, and his game status is right now questionable um, for Sunday against the Commanders. All right, we stay in the NFC where we go out to Tampa Bay. A lot of players on their injury uh, uh, report, but one of the players who will be out is wide receiver Chris Godwin, who's been coming back for a from a torn ACL and now is out with a second injury with a hamstring injury. Um, did not practice Thursday and is now, like I said, out for week two.
1: Yeah, it seems like Godwin can't really escape the injury bug and I, I think this offense is still in good hands. They're prepared for this and they kind of figured that, you know, he would not be at full speed, at least to start the season. Um and we even saw that when he was playing, um during the Sunday night game, we saw him kind of go down, and at first I was like, oh, did he, did he tweak his knee again? Like, what happened? But, yeah, you're absolutely right, Brevin, when you talk about this Buccaneers team and them pretty much all being on the injury report. Here's a questionable list for the Buccaneers. Leonard Fournette, Mike Evans, Julio Jones, Russell Gage, Rashad Berman, and Tristan Wirtz, who's the right tackle. And then their left tackle, Donovan Smith, is doubtful, so... They are dealing with them a lot right now. And, you know, And also when you consider their center, I believe he's out for the season. Ryan Jensen, he's been on IR. Yep. Um, but yeah, like I mentioned, a lot of those names are still going to play and they're still going to have to adapt. You can even see Scotty Miller get out there if, if he needs to, if one of these questionable receivers are good to go. But last week was pretty interesting and um, he had a really good game. And so I think we're going to have to utilize
0: him a lot if he's going to play too. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady even found himself on the injury report this week and that was not injury related and just because of rest he did not practice on Wednesday but has been a full participant the past couple of days. We move on to Denver where free safety Justin Simmons, who's been dealing with a thigh injury, was placed on short term IR.
1: Yeah, this is a pretty big blow to the Broncos. I think he suffered this in the second quarter in the loss against Seattle Seahawks, and, man, that game was insane. I, I know we kind of went over it earlier, but some poor time management at the end of the game from Nathaniel Hackett ultimately resulting in a loss to the Broncos as well as two fumbles on the goal line. I've never seen that. Um, that was, it was unbelievable. But going back to Simmons, I, I think that this is going to be a pretty big blow to this defense. He didn't do much the other day, but um, I think, you know, this injury was – a reason for that. And so Caden Stearns is going to have to step up at the free safety spot. He can kind of play anywhere on the field in that secondary. So um, we're going to ask a lot out of him, but yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how they adapt and how Caden Stearns plays. And Justin Simmons has also never missed a game. And I don't think he's also missed a snap in his career. So this is um, breaking some records and some streaks here as well.
0: Mm -hmm. On the flip side from the Monday night game, Seattle's strong safety, Jamal Iams, tore his quad and is now out for the remainder of the season.
1: Yeah, it was not the best of games for Adam when he was playing. There's a lot of trash talking going on. He had an interception go right off his face mask as well, but he ended up tearing his squad, and we all saw it happen during the game. And so uh, Seattle's going to have to adapt to that as well. And, yeah, it's looking like the Jets definitely won this trade to this point um, when they ended up shipping Jamal Adams for that first-rounder. I think they got a first-rounder for him. So um, it's going to be a big blow, and he's, his contract is definitely one that is meaty, if you will. It is uh, $38 million guaranteed. This season, he is um, taking a cap hit for the Seattle Seahawks of $9.1 million. So um, he's going to get a lot more money as time goes on. He will be an unrestricted free agent all the way in 2026. So um, they're going to have to wait to see him back on the field next year.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, one other injury that we're getting to uh, who did not play yesterday. Um, was charges by receiver Keenan Allen. He's been out with a hamstring injury that he suffered against the Raiders on Sunday. Um, he is right now questionable for week three. Uh, Kyle, Cowboys are your uh-huh. Now that Keenan Allen's out for week two, um, question for week three. Yeah,
1: Keenan Allen is a guy who has struggled with injuries a lot in his career as well. And he's a, he's like T.J. Watt, you know, football's better when he's out there on the field. And so to see him not play yesterday, um, I think was pretty evident. We saw Justin Herbert throw a lot of checkdowns, even though, you know, uh, we're going to get to what Herbie was dealing with throughout that game. But mm-hmm. um, utilized a lot of Eckler. Um, Mike Williams had an incredible catch in the end zone. Yep. Um, so he was getting some targets as well. But um, DeAndre Carter and Josh Palmer you know, those really aren't guys that are long term solutions at wide receiver. So they definitely want to see Keenan Allen get back out there. I think if he's not able to go week three, um, it, it's going to be pretty much all the same as it was last night for the Chargers in terms of their offense. A lot of targets the tight ends like Gerald Everett using Austin Eckler a lot. We might even see a little, little bit of Josh Kelly as well. So they're going to have to adapt if he's
0: not able to go next week as well. Mm hmm. Uh, Speaking of Justin Herbert, we're going to get into these week two injury news. Uh, Justin Herbert is currently going under tests on his ribs and his chest. Uh, X-rays did come out negative, and uh, Justin Herbert was unavailable to the media after yesterday's 27-24 loss um, last night.
1: Yeah, his X-rays being negative was shocking to me. I I thought he broke his ribs. I mean, the way he was holding them and... There was one play where he had a wide open first down um, late in the fourth quarter, and he could have, you know, just ran it and even kneeled down. He could have walked for that first down, but instead he threw it away and just looked like he was in such pain. And then the next play, he threw an absolute laser to DeAndre Carter for the first down. I was like, how did he just do that? His ribs are probably broken, but mm-hmm. they're not. So that, That's A little bit shocking to me. Um, He's still dealing with a lot of pain. Not entirely sure what the injury is, but it seems like it's an abdominal injury of some sort. But yeah, like you said, uh, Coach Staley said he's going to be able to play moving forward. Not sure if that means next week, but it's something to monitor. And yeah, the Chargers are going to need him out there for sure.
0: Likely the Chargers have now a week and a half to get ready for Mm -hmm. the next game for both Herbert and Allen. Um In their week three matchup, looking at the week two slate um three games that we're going to talk about um two are in the one twenty five uh time slot uh first up, you got Cincinnati and Dallas, and well, what we thought of was going to be two high power offenses might just be one now
1: yeah, we saw Cincinnati struggle a little bit last week as well against the regular defense Joe Burrow turned the ball over a lot, and they definitely capitalized on that the Steelers did, and Steel Curtain's still there, man. I mean, that defense looks really great. Patrick had a great game. Um, but I, I think it's going to be a little bit different this time around. I think the Bengals are going to have their way against the Cowboys. Obviously, Cooper Rush is starting as well, and yeah, I, I took Cincinnati to win in my Survivor League, so hopefully they are able to pull through for me as well. Um, but yeah, I think Cincy should probably win this game pretty
0: handily. Mm-hmm. This should be one. I think probably one of your blocks this week in terms of your picks. Um, Cincinnati is currently seven point favorites this week uh, to yeah. pull out the victory. Obviously, we mentioned Dak Prescott's out. Um, the only big question for the Bengals is right now T. Higgins, who remains questionable for Sunday's game. But even without T. Higgins, you still got. Jamar Chase. You still got um, Tyler Boyd, and you still got Joe Mixon um, as possible pass options for the, the Bengals. All right, another Sunday, 125 game. The Arizona Cardinals go to go up the, I think was that the 93 to take on the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, the first game inside Allegiant Stadium this season for the Silver and Black. That game takes on uh, Sunday at 125.
1: Yeah, I think this has potential to be a great game. The Raiders are not too heavy a favorite, but the spread is a little surprising. Minus five and a half. I think a big part of that is them being back at home, like you mentioned. Um, minus 220 on the money line. Cardinals are uh, plus 180 uh, underdogs. So Cardinals obviously coming off a really shaky start last week. They're looking to rebound on that. Um If I had to pick a team here, I would probably still pick the Raiders with them being at home. Devontae Adams looked fantastic in his debut last week, and I'm not sure who's going to cover him on the Cardinals, to be honest with you. we see him week in and week out, and not many people can. So um, I think the Raiders should probably win this one, but I also wouldn't be surprised if the the Cardinals keep it a little close as well. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if the Raiders are going to end up covering that spread, but, yeah, I'll take the Raiders to win the game now.
0: Yeah, I think I'm going to take the Raiders here. The, think about the intangibles of being at home for the first time um, this <laughs> season, as well as, you know, this is a Cardinals team that won't have Rondell Moore no Andy Isabella in terms of their pass catchers. Offensive tackle Rashad towers out. So um, this is a, with Chandler Jones facing the former team with Max Crosby. You know, th- it'll be – You know, they should be able to get to Kyler Murray, even though it's playing against another mobile quarterback. It's one of the new challenges um, in the NFL. All right. The third game on the slate, it's a Monday night game. It's the final, uh, it's a doubleheader Monday night. But um, the game that we're going to touch on is a couple of the top two teams in last year's AFC um, standings. You got Tennessee, who was number one last year, going up against Buffalo. I think they were number two? I think last year they were number three. But Tennessee and Buffalo score yeah. off uh, Monday. That is a 4:15 game kickoff time uh, out in Buffalo.
1: Two Monday night games this week is right, uh-huh. and this is the first one.
0: Bills are a
1: 9.5 or 10-point favorite depending on the sportsbook or Minus 475 or minus 500 on the money line, depending on your sportsbook as well. Titans are around plus 360. And I think that's a little high. Obviously, this is not shocking to me. The Bills can absolutely win by double digits. But it's still a lot of points. And the Titans, you never know what you're going to see from that team, how they're going to show out. Last week against the Giants, man, they just completely fell apart. They blew a 13-point lead and it was a really big win for Brian Dabble in his first game as the Giants head coach. Um, I will take Buffalo to win this game. I don't know. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I I, I think Buffalo should probably end up winning this game. They had such a strong showing in week one as well against the Rams that I just, man, they they got to be the Super Bowl favorite right now or they got to be one of the top two or three teams to win the Super Bowl at this point of the season, already just being in week two. But, yeah, I'm going to take Buffalo to win this game. I'm not going to bend against Josh Allen, especially going up against Ryan Mm hmm
0: I think the key for Tennessee is it's getting that volume for Derrick Henry. I think that's going to be the key going up against a tough Bills defense. And, you know, if Derrick Henry can be that King Henry that we saw last year against the Bills, you know, this is the opportunity to be a close ball game, less than that 10 point spread. Um, but ultimately, I still think the, the pass catchers the Bills have outweigh um, this matchup. So, I'm going to take the Bills as well in this Monday night matchup. All right, we're going to move on to some fantasy football. Obviously, we had Andrew Finley last week on our show. Go check out that episode. Um, last week, Andrew Finley took down. Luis Lopez at one sixty three point two six to one twenty two point eight. A lot of high scores in that matchup. Justin Jefferson as um no not Justin Jefferson, um but a lot of high scores on that league. I'm pulling up that matchup right now, um in week one. But um, as I pull that up, uh, Finley's team, every single player on Finley's team recorded double digits except for kicker Harrison, but Kerr, who recorded nine points in that matchup.
1: Yeah, I think it looks like Finley's team is definitely going to be hard to beat, especially with DeAndre Swift, man. He mm-hmm. had a heck of a game last week. Cooper Cup, obviously, on Thursday night showed out yep. as well, and that's to be expected. But yeah, I, I think that running back tandem of Swift and Fournette that he has is really good. Mm-hmm. And even... Deontay Johnson and Pat Firemouth were able to put up 12.5 points each. Antonio Gibson had a big game against the Jaguars. I ended up getting hurt in that Cardinal game. He's going to finish with double digits, too, like you mentioned. So um, I think he made all the right decisions in terms of who he started. He's got a pretty solid bench as well, with uh, Tyler Lockett being one of those guys. Uh, Darnell Mooney as well. Not a good game for him last week, but he's looking to improve in week two. And, yeah, I, I think he's going to be a really tough team to beat.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a tough game for Darnell Mooney against the Niners. see with the rain coming down, it felt like, a, like people were describing the game as a monsoon in between the Bears and the Niners. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's expectations of third-year wide receiver Darnell Mooney. And Kyle and I, we faced off last week in week one, and uh, – uh, I took down Kyle one fifteen eighty two to uh ninety point one. Kyle did have the leading score in our matchup with Patrick Mahomes putting up thirty four point nine points. That included throwing for three hundred and sixty yards and five touchdown passes. You can't seem to beat my guess, man. And you
1: took me down again. And
0: yeah, I, I think Patrick
1: Mahomes in that game thirty four, thirty five panicking points. Actually, mm-hmm. just absolutely incredible was tough to see Elijah Mitchell go down the way that he did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He did not have a good game. Hunter Renfro also underperformed a little bit. He didn't have too many targets in that game in general. I started Brandon Ayuk as well. I wasn't sure if I should start him or Christian Kirk, but it seems like Christian Kirk is a must-start week in and week out now to this point. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So not necessarily the best performance from me. If I ended up starting Christian Kirk anyways, it wouldn't have mattered. I still would have lost. Um, pretty large point discrepancy there. You ended up winning Revan by 25, so, yeah, man, just n- guys kind of under, underperforming for me yep. all around, and okay. I think it all started off great for you with, <laughs> yeah, with Gabriel Davis, um, mm-hmm. just really leading the way for you guys um, in that Thursday night game. Joe Mixon had a massive game, and Dalvin Cook with almost 14 fantasy points. That's a pretty typical Dalvin Cook-esque mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, some of the duds on my team, Mike Williams, two receptions, 10 yards. Kyle Pitts, two receptions, 19 yards. Um, but you see Mike Williams come back with it already this week. Uh, with no Keenan Allen, as we mentioned earlier, scored a touchdown, got like 25.3 fantasy points this week. I am taking on Amber Salas. Um, and Kyle is taking on the commissioner in uh, Daniel Guerrero. Um, Looking at that matchup so far, um, Kyle is up uh, Mm 35.7 points. I see Daniel did not have anybody go in last night's Thursday night football game. Kyle had both Patrick Mahomes and Austin Eckler. Patrick Mahomes, 17.3 fantasy points. Austin Eckler, 18.4 fantasy points. Benefited by nine receptions, um, which most of them, if not all of them, came in that second half. Yeah, it,
1: it really did seem that way. Like I said, I really only watched the second half, mm-hmm. but I think he had only like 2.5 fantasy points in the first half. And I was telling you before we started recording, Brevin, that in another league, someone at halftime <laughs> offered Eckler up for trade just because he was underperforming. Well, yep, anything can happen in a half of football. So he mm-hmm. kind of proved everyone wrong there, ended up with 18. You mentioned Mahomes, pretty much all the same for him, with 17. And yeah, how about Mike Williams for you, Brevin?
0: Yeah, it's what you're going to get out of drafting a player like Mike Williams. You're going to get your boom weeks. You're going to get your best weeks, and you're hoping that, you know, that equals out to more uh, boom weeks um, during the season. Mm -hmm. All right. That is it for fantasy football. We're going to move on to trivia, our final segment of the day, and it's on the Denver Broncos. Obviously, Kyle – we got the Manning cast continuing for another year, and uh, with Russell Wilson being named the quarterback that ends the streak of quarterbacks, starting quarter former start quarterback starting quarterbacks on former teams to be on the Broncos and Kyle. I want you to name the uh, eleven starting quarterbacks since Peyton Manning. Uh, between Peyton Manning and Russell Wilson in terms of time. Okay, this is tough. Um,
1: yeah, there's definitely been a lot of them, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, and some of them have had good stints, some not so good. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's definitely one to watch. Um, so I think Brock Osweiler is not on this list because. He left for Houston as soon as Peyton Manning left, I believe. So I don't think he's on, on this list. Um, but that being said, Trevor Simeon is.
0: Yes, he is. He was that first quarterback um, to be uh, follow the path of Peyton Manning. All right, Kyle, who's next?
1: So I'm going to get out of order here a little bit just because huh? like the, the whole timeline of quarterbacks is so jumbled and yeah, it's it's absolutely atrocious. Um, Brandon Allen, I know, is one of
0: them. Yes, he was. Uh, he's also on that list. Mm-hmm.
1: He started, I think, like, one or two games.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Jeff Driscoll had to have started for one game, right?
0: Jeff Driscoll is not... Oh, yeah, he's on here, yeah. yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, he's on here. Yeah. He's on here. I, I,
1: thank you. I, I remember him starting, like, one game.
0: Yeah, it was one game uh, during that 2020 season. Oh, yeah, that was terrible. Um, Kendall Hinton. not. He did not make a start. He
1: he did. He did. Oh, that's right.
0: The COVID game. Oh, yeah, that's right. He did. It's not on this list. Okay, make that 12 then.
1: 12, there you go. (laughs) All right. uh, Everyone's favorite player, Drew Mm
0: Locke. Yep, Drew Locke's on here. He started 13 games in 2020, another three last year, and another three uh, in 2019. Uh yeah, Kendall Hinton, man, I just can't
1: stop thinking about that. That's like a <laughs> he he started a quarterback, but it's like a uh, it's like an honorary start. It's like it like doesn't count, you know? Uh, <laughs> it's like it's, yeah. it's so weird. uh-huh,
0: uh, Case Keenum, Case Keenum. Yep, Case Keenum. He was the I think one of the only ones to start and be the only starter for the entire season during this time. Uh-huh. Yeah, since yeah, fe- yeah. uh huh. Between 2016 and 2022, he was the only starting quarterback for all 16 games that came in 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: Joe Flacco.
0: Yep, there you go. Joe Flacco, he started eight games for the Broncos in 2019. Uh, Brett Rippin' in there. Yep, Brett Rippin. He started that one game uh, during that COVID season and was one of those backup quarterbacks to support Drew Locke in 2020?
1: Uh, Teddy Bridgewater.
0: Yep, there you go. Teddy Bridgewater was the QB one last year, taking Drew Locke's position, uh, started 14 games last year in that extended uh, NFL schedule that went from 16 to 17 games. Uh, Paxton Lynch. There you go. Paxton Lynch started two games, was Trevor Simeon's backup, twenty sixteen it was also his back up in twenty seventeen. Uh we started two games as well.
1: Alright, where am I at right
0: now? Let's see, you've got Paxton Lynch, you got Trevor Simeon, um, you got Flacco, Allen, Locke, Driscoll, Lindsey, Rippian, Bridgewater. I'm gonna give you a hint in. So you got uh two more. Oh man. I got, even... Oh, mean, actually, there's one uh, more. Excuse me. One more. More. I mean,
2: yeah.
0: te- technically, Russ, but
1: um, man, I don't know. Did, didn't Mark Sanchez start a game for us? No. Uh, Hold
0: on, sorry? Kyle. Mike has You got two more. Excuse me. Two more.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't even know if I can get these. That Kendall Hinton uh, threw me off for a sec. Two more.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Threw everyone <laughs> off. It seemed like
0: man. I uh... was Kyle thinking. I'm pretty sure that game that Kendall Hinton started. Kyle named his fantasy team after Kendall Hinton. Oh
1: yeah, I called him a legend or something. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I don't know. You're you're gonna have to give me a
0: lot too.
1: All right.
0: So one of them was a non-quarterback who got the start at quarterback, and that was Philip Lindsay.
2: What?
0: <laughs> Lindsay made that start in 2020. Was one of four quarterbacks to record a start in 2020 for uh, the Broncos. So, okay. so he okay.
1: So I remember he started the game at quarterback, yeah. And then they put Hinton right after.
0: That's what it was. Okay. So, yeah. So
1: technically, Hinton is not on this list. Okay. So technically.
0: Uh huh they
1: started the game out wildcat. I remember that. And then oh, yeah, won. that's
0: why. Uh-huh. That yeah. makes... Mm-hmm. All right, Kyle, ready to hear the other one? Yeah. It was Brock Osweiler. Oh, man. I thought
1: I he just left out of the Super Bowl. I don't even remember that. Nope. <laughs> In
0: 2015, he was... Uh, he started seven games behind Pan- Banning's nine games. Oh, yeah. Yep.
1: Mm. Okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he. I remember he started that
0: season, but Brock Osweiler also started four games in 2017.
1: Oh, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely know yeah. that. Mm-hmm. You, you spent a lot of money on that guy for him to not work out yeah. at all. Um, let me see actually how much he was paid, um, by the Texans because that. Number was crazy. Yeah, uh, Houston went all in with Oslo during 2015 off season, gave him a seven-year contract, seven-year deal. And during his tenure with the Houston Texans, let me pull up his stats real quick. I'm actually very interested in this. With his uh, actually one season with the Houston Texans, he ended up. Um, going eight and six, he started in fourteen games, fifteen touchdowns, sixteen picks, um, two thousand nine hundred fifty-seven yards. Um, oh my gosh, I, I don't even remember him coming back to Denver in twenty seventeen. Like I seriously don't remember that happening. <laughs> that, that's that's how bad he was, I guess. But um, ended up with Miami in twenty eighteen. Did not know that. Or Actually, I, I vaguely remember him. I don't remember him starting. I guess he started five games with them. But, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, he was one-time Super Bowl champion. So, mm-hmm.
0: um, Update on Justin Herbert, Kyle. This came out just 15 minutes ago. It's about 2.30 now. On the West Coast, Adam Schefter from ESPN is tweeting that Justin Herbert was diagnosed today with a rib cartilage fracture that was uh, told by Brandon Shaley to reporters. The team will assess where he's at on a Wednesday uh, to determine whether he can practice.
1: Mhm. Okay. Yeah, so that's obviously a pretty big deal up there in Chargerland. Um, I'm not sure about his timetable. Did they give any update on that? Or was it-
0: um, no. It, it basically, is just going to rest before Wednesday, I'm guessing. Okay, yeah. It
1: seems like He's day-to-day at this point. Uh-huh. But, yeah, obviously that extra that time before they play the Jaguars is going to be really important, like you mentioned.
0: Uh-huh. Next week, the Chargers host the drag- Jaguars, so there's no um, travel as well implemented within that uh, time period. Uh-huh. So That is the update on Justin Herbert, who we talked about earlier in our episode as the Friday um as the Friday injury reports start to get finalized. But that's going to do it for us here on Down the Line. Uh, currently finishing this podcast recording here at about uh, 2.30 on the, the West Coast uh, here on Friday, September 16th. We got into a lot uh, on this episode from Roger Federer's retirement to the Padres' struggles. Um, but including the Angels and how they finish up their final 19 games of the regular season. So that's going to do it for us here on down the line next week. We're getting to some more fantasy football week three, um, week three reactions, what to expect from week three as well, both from a fantasy perspective, from an NFL perspective as well. So that's going to do it for us here on down the line for Kyle Betts. I'm Brev Honda. We thank you for, Tuning into this week's episode, and we hope you listen next week.